Welcome to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. My name is David Wojnicki. I'm privileged to be on the advisory board of IBCD and serve as the lead pastor at Valley Center Community Church. And today, uh, my guests are George and Eileen Scipioni. George and Eileen, it's so good to have you here. It's good to be here. We're great. great. We are so grateful uh, for your ministry. Let me just say, personally, before I give a little bit more introduction, you guys just... Uh, how grateful I am that uh, you have both been just uh, so faithful to the ministry all these years, really been pioneers, and we're going to talk about that a little bit just in biblical uh, counseling. And so um, for those that might be listening to this and aren't familiar with uh, the both of you, let me give a little bit of the background. Uh, George served as the founder and director for IBCD for over 20 years, 30 years almost? 24 here. 24 years. And well, yeah. No, no, you can feel you can you know yourself better than I do. So. Yeah, well, I worked I worked for CCEF. I was the director there for uh, quite a few years back in the seventies mm. before I went into the pastorate from sixty nine to about seventy four. And then it was in two thousand and six uh, that you transitioned, if I'm not mistaken, from IBCD to where you guys are currently. Is that mm-hmm. well? There was a stop uh, church plan in between for okay. about two years, and then up to Pittsburgh in and- 08. And right now, share with us what you're doing out there in the great state of Pennsylvania. Well, I'm uh, I'm a director of the Biblical Counseling Institute for the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary, fifth oldest seminary in the country, the only one that's still faithful to the word of those early seminaries. Yeah. Um, running their counseling program. Running the counseling program, teaching there yes. uh, as as well, and. Uh, um, along with the work that you did at IBCD, the work that you're cur- currently doing, you're also uh, an ACBC fellow um, mm-hmm. and uh, an assistant in that ministry. And then Eileen, uh, throughout these years, you've been alongside George and you yourself have been engaged in counseling, some writing. And then uh, I'm looking here, is this is this true? You're doing some graduate work right now? I'm doing a little bit at the seminary as I have time. Yeah. When you have... Um, you know, a, a disabled mother, yeah. children, and a large counseling load. You don't take a lot of courses. Yeah, yeah that's, even take that's it's remarkable. I, I tell people I'm on the 13 year plan. 13 year plan. Anyway, it's, a, it's, okay. it's a plan though. It's Everybody a plan. continues to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And here's something that I I wanted to ask kind of first. So I'm going to ask George you this question. It's kind of a big question. So, how long have you and Eileen been married? It will be 44 years. This uh, next month in July, forty-four years. That's been great. Yeah. And Eileen, what was the the journey that the Lord had that brought the two of you together? Get, tell us just a little bit of that, oh, the, no. that story. Uh, oh yeah, we, we'll, we'll keep that one short. <laughs> sure. Um, we met at a evangelical camp in Maryland called Hilltop Ranch. Okay. He was counseling the older guys, right? You were sort of in charge. I, I was, was in charge char- of the uh, male counselors. I was in charge of the the gals. Oh, all right. Um, the dining room gals and others. And I was engaged, I fell in love with a young man, an African-American man, and uh, we were planning to be married. And, it, you know, uh, everything broke loose and terrible threats happened. It was awful. And he counseled Bill and I to stay together and not succumb to the cultural pressures. It's the truth. I have letters to prove it. It's back in the uh, 70s. Back so. in the wow. 70s. Anyway, eventually, uh, the relationship with Bill and I did dissolve. And later on, we uh, met at a friend's wedding, and uh, we began to uh, be interested in each other, and the rest is history. Oh, wow. wow. Pretty, so counseling brought us together. Counseling brought you together. And 
You know, I think that's actually a great jumping off spot because as I sit here today, biblical counseling in, in many ways is, is part of the Christian culture. It's, it's yeah. relatively accepted. Um, you both were there, kind of the pioneers in the early days. Um, kind of the first question I'd like to ask is, what did the landscape look like mm-hmm. when you first became engaged in biblical counseling? And, and really maybe even before that, for each of you individually, who got on board kind of first with this concept of biblical counseling? Well, for me, it was, I was at seminary, uh, so ignorant. Uh, guys would say, you're, you're an Arminian. Like, uh, no, I'm an Italian. I mean, it was, I was totally ignorant. I was a jock. I got to seminary unconverted. Mm. Uh, and wow. partly, uh, part of the conversion was seeing Jay Adams' counsel and use the scripture and see people's lives actually transformed. Mm. So for me, uh, it was part of my conversion and coming to grips with uh, who I was. Mm. Went to seminary more as a guilt trip, kind of interesting. That's a long story. but uh, So that was, for me, the introduction to biblical counseling. And so that shaped my whole Christian experience as well as ministry, per se. So there you go. You're going in, you're attending seminary without really having had a heart transformation to right. Jesus Christ. I, I went forward many times. As yeah. I tell people, you can get a parrot to come forward and say, ah, Jesus is Lord. Parrot's not converted, you yeah. know. I went forward umpteen times. Kind of a Protestant version of Catholic confessional, sure. you know, where you go, you go forward every six months and ask Jesus into your heart. Yeah. No change after two weeks, so. Now, were you guys married at that point when you started seminary? No. no. That was after, okay. No. So then what, Eileen, what was your exposure then to to biblical counseling. Was it through that initial experience? Yes. With, with He was being trained by Jay Adams. And then we met, and early on in our relationship, I went to a, a Jay Adams, uh, he was speaking somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I uh, came up to him and I told him about, I just met George Scipione and we were interested. And uh, so I started listening to what he was saying. I was exposed to it here, and more and more I was seeing that the scripture really had answers, mm. and and psychology was a mixed bag mm. and wasn't to be relied on, so I began to change. But then once he went into the pastorate, as a pastor's wife, yeah. every pastor's wife knows that they do informal biblical counseling, yes. so I was forced into it. Yeah. And then having five children in 10 years, I learned a lot about you know, counseling children just as a mom. Right. So it was, um, I would say, many, many years of informal. Sure. But then eventually I got trained yeah. out here at IBCD through him and the others. Started formal counseling uh, in 2000. Yeah, okay. And so part of part of that, and it sounds like for both of you, it kind of just came naturally through life experiences as mm-hmm. you heard the truths that were being proclaimed. And people you know, come to you for help. Yeah. People, you're a pastor and a pastor's mm-hmm. wife. They want answers. Yeah. I'll, I want to go down that, that road just for a minute, but I have to ask this question. When you first told uh, Jay Adams that you were uh, in a relationship with George Scipione, what did he, what did he think of that at the time? <laughs> no, he was very encouraging. He said, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and encouraged me very much to pursue it. Mm. My parents didn't think it was a great idea, but Eventually, they came to know it was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Um, yeah, you know, you've mentioned that in the past, but I think it'd be good for some people to know that Jay Adams obviously had a huge influence uh, on mm-hmm. you and in your training. Um, in many ways, he was kind of at uh, the tip of the spear with what was mm-hmm. happening. And, and um, 
did you recognize at that time as you know here this man's training you you're you're learning from him did you realize kind of the uphill battle that was that was there in the church at the time How very that... very soon because uh <clears throat> while at westminster seminary i'm sold it was a bd mm-hmm. and they've changed it into an mdiv and yeah I didn't want to pay the money to change the degree. I was cheap. But anyway, uh, I took a degree at, at Temple University in psychology, okay. realizing if I'm going to uh, work in this area, uh, I need to know what I'm talking about. So I did do graduate work. Okay. So I wouldn't be talking as an outsider. Um, it, it was an uphill battle from the beginning. And for, again, without the details, uh, that was a wonderful experience. A new Christian went uh, to Temple and basically wrote papers from a Christian perspective. And, you know, it was kind of just a, a wonderful apologetic experience. Mm. Uh, didn't get into a Ph.D. program. I can't prove that it was my Christian testimony, but I'm mm. pretty suspicious the whole interview was about that. Mm. I knew it was an uphill battle because, in a sense, I had been on the inside, uh, outside looking in, went inside, got a degree, uh, began to deal with people that are you know, trained psychologists, yeah. and uh, knew from the beginning, didn't want to go the state licensing route, mm. uh, and that this was a significant movement. Because I think it's the tail end of the infallibility, inerrancy battle, yeah. and it was one of the few groups that's really standing for the sufficiency of Scripture, so that, um, yeah, we knew at the beginning, because people thought we were nutcases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they were just totally nutty. They go, well, I respect you because you have a degree in psychology. Jay doesn't know what he's talking about. And Jay read more psychology than I ever would. So I knew from the very beginning, and people don't realize the second, third generation, just how ugly it was and just how nasty people were um, to Jay and, and to the movement. So uh, I lived through that, which is a good experience. Yeah, so. yeah. And... And, you know, when we talk about that, uh, there wasn't just necessarily the battle from the outside within the secular. Would, would you say that, that that battle, that included just the evangelical church as well, oh, trying, sure. trying to bring that in? And uh, I think the evangelical church, uh, they had formed the NAE, National Association of Evangelicals, knowing, hey, we've lost the culture, you know, so we got to win it back. But there wasn't, I don't think, an exegetical, distinctively biblical approach to that. Mm-hmm. So there was this battle going on. And at the same time, you have really Rosemead and Wheaton and other schools developing and actually taking over the market to to where uh, Jay was an outsider mm-hmm. to what they really want to accomplish. And so you know, there was that battle going on all the time. He was always accused of being so simplistic. And people would say, he's harsh. Everything is blamed on sin and not sickness. And I said, no, I know him personally. I've seen him work. That is not the case. We took our own loved ones who were very broken, had a mental illness diagnosis, and and uh, we found him very, very biblical, very gentle and kind. And used to say, now take your family member to the doctor and get them all tested. And when that's fixed, then come back to me for biblical counseling. That was the way it was at the beginning because we thought then that the doctor could fix it, all the all the organic things. Didn't realize then the interchange. But he was on the cusp of saying the Bible has 
answers for these inner man yeah. issues. And for you as a, as a wife, um, you talked a little bit about this, you know, supporting George in, in just the ministry in, in general, but um, as, as you saw some of those roadblocks or just the frustrations that that would build, uh, how was that for you as a wife? How did you try and come alongside and support? Was it easy? I mean, you're raising your children at that time as mm -hmm. well. You're trying to work through those things. What did that look like for you on a personal level? God gave us some children that had some real physical challenges. Some of it is in, is in the way they were born, something kind of two breech babies. And so they thought differently and operated differently. So it's like God uh, put us in a place where we had to wrestle with inner man issues and outer man issues on a day-by-day -day basis in our family. We had a lot of people live live in as well. We had an open home and took people out of uh, mental institutions and other places, some of which I should not have done. It didn't protect the family. Mm -hmm. But we were just so convinced that God could change anybody that we, we took people in. Sure. We were a little naive. It's like a three-ring circus at some points. You know? Sure. Well, for you, it wasn't just uh, a theoretical thing. It wasn't just something for the church to do or for the biblical. Like, this was this is a whole... I think that's one of the things. It's a whole life... Um, issue it's uh if you really believe in biblical counseling and and what the word of god is sufficient for mm -hmm. that, that that isn't just something that you check at the door it's not just something you know we were in the office right. now we're out of the office but oh no we, we lived it every day yeah um a living lab of, of mm. applying scripture sure in our own home to hurting hearts yeah. but also broken brains mm -hmm. and so i had to learn that you know jay was right the phrase mental illness isn't helpful. Mm. I much prefer to use a brain disorder, something neurologic. I, you know, we came to see in our living lab in our home mm. that it was spiritual or physical. There wasn't that third category that he used to say from the beginning. And we learned that in a very personal way in our own family. Yeah. And her counseling, she's so kind that a lot of women just glopped onto her. Yeah. You know, we ended up having... <clears throat> something unusual for that rural church. Mm -hmm. They allowed her to teach a Sunday school class with women and uh, mentoring women. And that's where it began. They just kept coming to her, asking her for help. Mm -hmm. And eventually after doing homeschooling, public school, uh, private Christian school, what do you really want to do? Well, I really want to mentor women. Mm -hmm. You know, so that became, uh, that's when we started the early sure. 2000s. And he was realizing too that all that time spent counseling women wasn't so good. He said, Eileen, I need you trained, you know, because of the connection. These women, their husbands weren't listening to them. Their pastor was. Yeah. So in order to keep that sort of at bay and following the Titus passage, you know, he really wanted me trained. So I was beginning informal training, but then I started full-on training. And then I ran a crisis pregnancy center for 10 years here in San Diego. And, um, and a homeschool network. And, and so the Lord just put me in place after place after place where I was really forced to say, what does the word have to say with very hurting hearts and some broken bodies? For, for women who have, a, who have a heart for this and have a heart for mentoring, and yet they're in a season of life where maybe they can't get some of the training that they would desire as much as they would desire and they, they see the need that's out there, what encouragement would you give to to those women just about the season that God has them in currently and, and how God can, can use them? Dave, that's such a good question. I find the young women, they have more energy. 
and they, you know, they have zeal and they want to get involved in biblical counseling or even the pro-life movement. And I say, make sure you're first walking with Jesus, taking care of your husband and your kids. The time will come when you can spread out, but be really, really careful. It, one of the things we say is we tried to do too much too soon. Wish we had not uh, been so open, so, you know, just protected those children more. But to those women who have the heart, with that given that I already laid, use all your resources. You have a lot of online resources, like IBCD's Care and Discipleship Program. They can do a lot at home, still keep their fingers where they need to be in their own marriages and their own children, and still touch lives. And the biggest thing that God's going to use is whatever hurts they've already dealt with. That's going to be the biggest one. I am the most help to mothers whose kids have been given a label or put in a psych ward or in prison. Their kids are... Those are the ones because we've lived it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Kurt. I think that's a powerful message for for anyone to hear, really. But uh, I, that's what I see God having done in your life is both the experiences that you've had that just haven't been experiences, but you've learned from it. You've been able to reflect. And, and that's what I'm grateful for, that you're able to speak that back into people's lives and to help help them maybe chart a course, you know, sure. for, for the for themselves. They say, you know, I want to do these things. I want to engage, but God has a ministry for you here. That's and, right. And also to walk that balance. You don't want to speak too much about it, nor too little. You don't want it to hurt your marriage. Mm-hmm. And these kinds of tension in a family or in a church can hurt a marriage. So keep praying together daily. Make sure your heart, of course, right with the Lord, but also that you're on the same page and not hiding, um, but not exposing too much. There's a beautiful balance. We pray, Lord, set a guard by our mouths um, because you can say too much or too little. It's my teaching method is, hey, here's how I screwed up the first 10 years. Don't do it. We'll be ahead of the curve. It works. I, I'll save you 10 years. of Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What are, um, so having learned, let's talk about that just for a minute. Um, what have you learned as a couple, especially for you as a husband and leading your home? You say like, here are the things now that I look to, to implement between, specifically in the husband, let's just talk husband and wife relationship. This is what I think it's important for biblical counselors and couples who are doing it, or even just one who might be counseling. This is what I think is You important. have to pastor your own wife. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to know her gifts and shepherd them and encourage where she has strength, protect her from unreasonable demands of congregations. Mm-hmm. Pastor's wife isn't a you know, biblical category. Uh, she's the wife of a pastor. Sure, she sure. doesn't fill a role. So you got to protect her, uh, make sure that you're praying and reading with her, humble enough to ask forgiveness of your sins, and you know, just uh, really mentoring her to where uh, you can say, she's better off for having been married to me, you know, so uh, uh, not use her as kind of a second pastor or, you know, a worker. A lot of times uh, there are certain Christian organizations, where they, they, they're twofers, you know, you get two for one, uh, and I don't think that that's fair. Mm-hmm. So you need to protect yes. her. But at the same time, he wanted to develop my gifts. He never made a moving decision where it wasn't, okay, how is this going to impact your spiritual growth? How are we going to use your gifts? So wanting to protect me and yet still see me develop. It was a a true, I think, in a sense, a spiritual dance where 
You know, uh, he always says he's the five-star general. I'm the four-star general. I, I, that to me is something that's just so beautiful. The moment you said that, you know, pastoring my wife, and the first thing that you said was, you know, I want to shepherd her and the use of her gifts. I mean, that's just that's just powerful. I think that you know, when God brings the the two together in that way, you know, you are you know George, who God made you to be. You are I mean, who God made, you. and so mm-hmm. us as a husband's cultivating that. And for you to say like we didn't make a decision without recognizing how that's going to affect the other. Thank you for mentioning that. I think that is, uh, there's such, mm-hmm. such wisdom in there. And, and then also another thing we learned is don't counterbalance the other person. Become more biblically balanced yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you've got bad cop, good cop, that's terrible for the children. I like that. Good you both that, yeah. grow to Christ, speak the truth in love. So I became much stronger and, and harder hitting, yeah. and he became much more gentle sure, and, and less harsh all because of God using our extreme differences and, you know, knocking against each other, but before Christ, you know, and praying together, we were able to humbly repent. And and he's such a leader worth following because he was humble. He learned mm-hmm. humility. It's not so hard to submit to a person who's humble. Sometimes you learn in the hospital when God throws you in the hospital. <laughs> my, some of my biggest growths have been, you know, undiagnosed illnesses or whatever. Yeah. Um, where, you know, God's going, hey, my sheep deserve something better than this, you know, and you have to learn. So yeah. uh, if you don't humble yourself, God will be glad to do it for you. <laughs> that idea of the, the counterbalance, uh, not not saying, oh, I'm this way, he's this way. So, okay, so we got both in the family. So, no, no, like how is mm-hmm. the Lord molding and shaping us more into the image of his son? I'm not going to say, well, he's got all the gentleness or she's got all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... Uh, no, all you teach your children to do then is be mood readers. Great, great point. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, this is part of really just having the conversation today is to get to see this side of things. Um, I, I did want to ask, though, in kind of bringing things to closing mm-hmm. here, you know, you were able to look back on the years of biblical counseling, where it was with Jay when he started to where it is today. Let me start kind of with this question. Are you able to look back and identify and say, you know, here are some milestones that I see that that, you know, God brought the biblical counseling movement through that I can look back and say, like, that was a significant moment that helped move things forward mm-hmm. to, you know, to where they are um, today. And maybe it's not maybe a specific time or, you know, it's just uh, a mind shift that came. I just, can you identify some of those as you look back and say, you know what, when I look back and say, yeah, that, that was significant what happened there and, and moving it to where it is today. Oh, there are, man, so many of those. Uh, it would take time to organize them. There's, you know, NANC, ACBC, mm. becoming separate from CCEF, mm. and, you know, some of those things. Uh, um, she calls me Ned Negative. I call her Poly Positive. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes I see significant things and things that should have been done that weren't done. Oh, okay. You know, uh, you know, kindnesses where, we, hey, we don't want to fight, so you go your way, or that, that actually could have been more impactful for mm-hmm. the whole thing. I think the biggest... The milestones I see is what Jay did at Westminster, Philly. Yeah. And the other big milestone, I think, was Nank's influence on MacArthur, you know, indirectly sure. and getting the masters on board and, and John MacArthur, because those have been real keys as well as here, you know. Yeah. Uh, my coming out and then Jim taking over. Um I think 
those are key milestones. And uh, Jim Neiser's now going, you know, over to reform. Those are the kind of milestones where people who are basically antagonistic or very distant from biblical counseling. Now you have a lot of SBC uh, seminaries, you have the Masters, you have Westminster's. Um, there's a lot going on. I think those are the, the big milestones where uh, institutions have become committed to uh, a biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's there are dozens of smaller ones, but mm-hmm. those are the big, the big things. So I tell people back, you know, when I was there late '60s when it started, nothing existed. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, the competent was in mimeograph form. You could get high, you know, stif- <laughs> sniffing the, competent you know, the syllabus. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't exist. There was no courses other than actually observing Jay and others counsel and then and talking about over come. supper. Mm-hmm. So. You know, to come 50 years later and there's all these books, you know, Stuart Scott, Wayne Mack, Jay Adams, Lou Priolo, you know, all these guys, uh, CCF, uh, Pals, you know, it's rich. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of milestones, I think. Would you also say the the role of medical professionals and the role of women Mm. in the biblical counseling movement Mm. have really been milestones also yeah well they won we've always had doctors yeah. involved so that's we have more doctors you know, now. yeah more doctors now more sophisticated but uh, we've always known the outer man <clears throat> physical issues needs to be dealt with yeah mm-hmm. so uh women <clears throat> that's a big development too um one development in the nank acbc was the including of lay people Oh, sure. So when you, well, you know this from yeah. uh, IBCD probably trains more lay people than it does pastors, yeah, yeah, where Jay's whole emphasis was get the pastors, they'll train the lay people. So there's been some significant, yeah. you know, there, and that includes the women, you know, being involved. Yeah. In fact, I don't know, I, mean, I guess the proportion might be. Yeah, 60, there's so 40. many women now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So important and younger. That's because they talk. You know, men don't talk, you know, so. Women communicate, so it's kind of a natural in terms of counseling and mentoring one another. And then the role of, of understanding children. More and more children are broken. Mm. Their childhoods have been stolen away from them. And now um, I counsel children as young as six. Yeah. Um, and uh, and even some boys up to mid-teens, late teens. We try to get them with a the man as soon as possible. But, but training um, women in the church who have a heart for uh, these children who are so strong, uh, you know, they're OCD and you know, they have all these labels and they're so, so broken and can't concentrate mm-hmm. worth a dime. More and more women are getting involved in those spiritual battles. I've just written a, um, a graph on motivations God uses for his people mm-hmm. to equip it. So each person that God brings in has something to give. Yeah. You have your own unique little place, some gifts. You might only be a two-talent person. So whoever's listening to this, I don't care if you're ten-talent, five-talent, or a two-talent, but you have something to give when you hold the sufficiency of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit mm. and then your own experiences. With that as the foundation, you've got something to give to the body of Christ. And I think the women being involved is very crucial for um, because the increased sexuality of the culture and molest and everything else, it's really important to have women 
you know, involved, you know, in terms of that counseling process, counseling women. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. And so many Christian women, these marriages are broken. These couples come in and they haven't had sexual intimacy for years. And for the, the wives, it's it's duty, it's not delight. Um, that's an area that we're beginning to, uh, I'm hoping to write a book called From Duty to Delight because it really impacts marriages, um, missionaries, uh, uh, everyone. It's it's it, the the brokenness of the whole culture mm. has impacted marriages, and our young people aren't seeing the beauty of sex in marriage. Yeah. They just think it's only good before you're married. Afterwards, yeah. it's downhill fast, and that's so not true. Yeah. Well, that's that right there. You know, the, I can't. I think again, thank you enough for just the the, the wisdom. Um, that you have been led to led to share, and uh, my prayer, God will continue to use the both of you. Thank you, Thank you so much for taking the time to just oh. get, to to let us a little bit of peek into your lives and in the history of biblical counseling. And uh, thanks so much for being a part of this today. Glad to be part, part of it. And uh, you know, there was no such thing as podcasts yeah. back in the old <laughs> days. So this is a great way of getting things. Out. Thanks for for uh, your expertise and your enthusiasm and your youthful yeah. uh, excitement on oh. this. Wonderful. God bless you guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.